Welcome back to another episode of the Bolton E-Bikes podcast, a podcast where you can learn all about electric bikes and sometimes some crazy things about electric bikes. Today, we're going to get into one of those crazy things. Once again, I'm Kyle Chidock, the owner of Bolton E-Bikes, and welcome back. Now, typically, I cover the practical things. Okay, maybe the last episode where we talked about, you know, 20,000 watt e-bikes wasn't very practical, and maybe this will be a little more practical, but usually the nuts and bolts, how things work, how e-bikes work, how are people using them, what are they good for? But today, we're going to still talk about e-bikes, but we're going to jump off the deep end a little bit. And I only say a little bit because this is real stuff. This is actually something that I'm working on in the shop when I have spare time, which is pretty rare. But this is a project that I've been wanting to do for a long time, and I really want to make it happen. Now, what am I talking about? This is going to sound a little bit crazy, but I'm talking about making an infinite range electric bike. Now, some of you are thinking, that's perpetual motion machine, that's not possible. No, we're not making a perpetual motion machine. We're not breaking any laws of physics here. We are using the laws of physics to our advantage, and we're using technology to our advantage to make this possible. Now, how are we going to do that? Well, there are things like solar panels that can charge a bike, but they're too big, they're too heavy, or they just don't have enough power. You would need a massive solar panel. I've actually seen people, there's a bunch of these online, you can find videos online of somebody who has an electric bike and they're pulling like a massive 10 foot long trailer with this solar panel to charge it up as they ride along. And I'm not talking about doing that. I don't want something that looks like that or that's just, in my opinion, inefficient like that. I'm talking about a completely self-contained vehicle that by legal definition is an electric bike, so we're going to take a little bit of liberty there, but actually makes it possible to where you could hop on it, or perhaps in it, go for a ride, and literally never run out of electricity. Now, in the video, I did some math, I showed it on the screen, kind of had a whiteboard to explain how this is possible, but I'm just going to tell you about this idea that I've had for a long time And there's people who have done similar things. So I'm not the first, but maybe the first to make it in this way. And maybe the first to do a video kind of showing people, hey, this is where the technology is at if we would just implement what we have. So some of these ideas about making a solar-powered e-bike or different things like that, they're maybe not so far-fetched. And maybe in the near future, these are actually going to be practical things that are going to, to work quite well. Let's jump back a little bit and talk about electric bikes and how much power does it take to move them. Now, that's where I started with this little experiment, and I've done research on this for many years, but just a couple of weeks ago, I took one of my electric fat bikes and I rode down a nice long flat stretch of road, and I tried to go 20 miles an hour because that's fast enough if you're going infinite range and you can keep going and going and going. Let's just do 20 miles an hour because the faster you go, the more power you use, the harder it's going to be to make this technically feasible. So 20 miles an hour on a fat bike with a 1,000-watt mid-drive motor consumed 500 watts. So it took 500 watts of continuous power to keep that fat bike moving at 20 miles an hour. Now, if we bump the speed up to 30 miles an hour, at first you might think that's going to take 
750 watts because it's only 50% faster. But aerodynamics and physics say, no, absolutely not. Uh, If you're going to go a little bit faster, 50% faster, it's going to take, you know, double the amount of power or even more. So the power demands increase exponentially as your speed increases. And this has always been a challenge with cars that are going for top speed records with airplanes. You know, you can go 200 miles an hour with a car that has so much horsepower, but to go 250 miles an hour doesn't require just a little bit more power. It requires substantially more power. So the slower we go, the more efficient we can be. So 20 miles an hour was kind of one of those parameters I decided to set in calculating out to see, all right, what would it take to make a bike that could just run forever? And that's the speed we're sticking with. Okay, so 20 miles an hour, 500 watts, that's not very efficient. If we stuck a solar panel on a bicycle that was 500 watts, it would be massive. It'd be way too big. We'd have to have one of those massive 10-foot-long trailers, like I mentioned. And that, to me, just doesn't make sense. So the first thing in my mind to do is make the bike more efficient. Now, I said fat tires, so naturally, the first thing you're going to say is go to skinnier tires. Now we go to skinnier tires, we can start reducing the wattage requirements. Now, if you look at some of the, you know, pro athletes that are, you know, using 250 watts and they're doing more than 20 miles an hour, you can easily see, oh, it's possible to use half as much power on a more efficient bicycle. So we can cut the tires down in width. We can change the rolling resistance. The ones I was using were a fat tire that was an off-road. It has a pretty low rolling resistance, but it's still an off-road tire. So obviously a street tire is going to help. And then there's something that's not as common, but really makes sense to do next. If we're going to make this theoretical experiment, no longer theoretical, a standard diamond frame bike, that's what they call the standard traditional upright bike, you know, invented back in the 1800s is a great bike. You can see everything. It's maneuverable. You can ride it off road. There's a reason that style of bike has hung around for so long. It just makes sense, but it's not the most efficient. And I probably should have researched this before I started this, but I just thought of this right now as I'm recording this episode, and I need to mention it. I want to say it was in the 30s. There was, there was bicycle racing. It was very popular back then, as it is today, maybe even more so. Some of the oldest cycling records are still held today. It's insane. If you, if you have a chance, go look up the record for the most miles traveled in a year. And I'm pretty sure that one was set more than 50 years ago on old bicycle technology. And still, no one has been able to beat it. It's crazy. But the point is, there was a guy back then who designed a new type of bicycle. Instead of being the standard upright bicycle that we see today, it was a recumbent. Now, if you're not familiar with recumbents, basically imagine that instead of sitting on a narrow saddle with your arms out in front of you, and your feet facing straight down, that you are sitting in your lawn chair. And then you recline your lawn chair back to a nice comfortable position, and then you have a footrest on your lawn chair that pops up. And so here you are, reclined back in your comfy lawn chair, your feet out in front of you. Well, that's basically the seating position you get on a recumbent bicycle or a recumbent tricycle. So a recumbent bicycle obviously has two wheels and a tricycle is going to have three wheels. Even the tricycle is very aerodynamic because you're basically taking the cross section of your body. In other words, how much of your body is 
facing the wind as you're moving forward. If you're sitting upright, you're like a giant kite pushing against the wind. It may not seem like much, but if you're going down a long downhill on a road bike and you stand up and then you tuck down nice and tight, you can gain so much speed by tucking down. But in a recumbent bike, you're basically always in that position. So back to these races back in the 30s or so, this guy designs a recumbent bike and he starts winning races like crazy. And that was a problem for those who didn't have a bike like that. Now, you would think, at least in my mind, if someone has designed a faster bike and they're winning races, the thing to do would be for everyone else to design also a faster bike like that so they can keep up. But they didn't do that. (laughs) They changed the rules. So a recumbent bike was not allowed. And the official cycling organizations in the world today for what are pro races, to this day, recumbent bikes are still not allowed, even though they are definitely faster. Now, how fast can you go on a recumbent bike? Well, there's so much speed you can get out of a recumbent bike be because you're reducing your cross section, reducing your drag like that. But there gets to be a certain limit where it's not effective anymore. Your body, a tricycle or a bicycle is not an aerodynamic shape. So what if you take and you put an aerodynamic body around that? You're adding weight, but do you actually decrease the amount of power used? And the answer to that is a most definitive, absolute yes. There are these things called Velomobiles. Those who have been buying parts for me for many years know that my business was originally called Velomobile Shop, which comes from my love of aerodynamic things like Velomobiles. Unfortunately, that's hard to say, and it's hard to spell, and it's hard to remember, so it does not make a good name for an e-bike company, hence Bolton e-bikes was later born. But a Velomobile is super aerodynamic. Now, if we go to the real extreme of aerodynamics on human-powered vehicles, there is a yearly competition in Battle Mountain, Nevada, which is not too terribly far from me. I would love to go there one of these years and actually record some of the high-speed runs because there's a basically there's a five-mile-long flat stretch of road, and people come from all over the world to race their human-powered aerodynamic vehicles down this five-mile stretch. And they're not all racing at the same time. They basically take turns and they wait for, you know, the right wind conditions, for the right record, so you're not getting a tailwind, things like that. And they go for the fastest top speed they can. And I'm trying to remember what the top speed is right now, but I think it's over 85 miles an hour now. This is a human-powered vehicle. There's no battery. There's no motor. This is literally a person sitting inside of an aerodynamic shell on two wheels, and they're pedaling. Now, they can only maintain that speed, which is insane, for a very brief, short amount of time. And that vehicle is extremely aerodynamic, but it's not practical. When you're talking about these kind of speeds, they actually don't have windows. They're totally enclosed. The only way they can see is usually with a camera that's mounted on the outside, and then there's a screen inside. Uh, They have a terrible turning radius. They're not practical at all. So to get in one of these vehicles and maintain that kind of speed just doesn't make sense. So when I talk about an infinite range e-bike, this needs to be something we can use. But this gives us an idea of, okay, there's the extreme end of what's possible. Now let's make it practical. Now for that, I have a Velomobile. It's been kind of collecting dust in the back of my shop. I actually used to ride it to work every day 
and people would hang out the the windows of their cars and take pictures because it looks like this little alien spaceship pod riding around on the street. It's awesome. I love it. <laughs> but I realize it's not for everyone, but it's really aerodynamic. It's a ton of fun. And of course, I did put an electric motor in it because I just had to. We have some really steep hills here. It's heavy. What can I say? But the VeloMobile is really aerodynamic. So how much power does it take to move what I would consider a practical VeloMobile? And if you want to look this up online or find photos of what this looks like, uh, mine is called a Litra, which is L-E-I-T-R-A. It's one of the earlier VeloMobiles that went into mass production, and uh, it's made in Europe. And uh, mine was probably made around the year 2000 or so. So it's actually about 20 years old, believe it or not. And pretty funny story about where I got this thing. I found it for sale, I think on Craigslist, uh, a couple hours away. And you never see these things for sale. There's, there's maybe less than 15 of this particular model in the United States and North America. So pretty rare to find one. But I saw it and I was like, oh, I, I got to have that. I've always wanted one of those. It's only a couple hours away. We need to go get it. So I bought it. I used it for a while. I was riding it around town. I was riding through Rough and Ready, Grass Valley area, which is uh, around my hometown right here. And a guy pulls off the side of the road, stops in front of me a ways and kind of flags me down. And he's like, wow, this thing is amazing. He's like, I used to have a VeloMobile just like this. And I was like, no, I think you had this VeloMobile. I actually was out riding on the road and ran into the guy who originally bought it from Europe. He packed it up into boxes, put it on a plane and brought it over. And funny enough, he had sold it to a guy a couple hours away. And then I ended up buying it. And that guy just happened to move towards the hometown where I'm at and saw me with it. So small world, so crazy that that happened. But anyway, how much power, I'm getting off track here, how much power does it take to move this VeloMobile versus a fat bike? Now, I haven't put a new motor, I'm going to change this up a little bit, and tested the actual wattage, but based on numbers of other VeloMobiles online, and people do pay very close attention to this because they're looking at the aerodynamic drag and how efficient are they, I'm guessing it's probably somewhere around 125 to 150 watts to maintain 20 miles an hour. So that's a substantial improvement from the 500 watts of power it takes to power that electric fat bike I mentioned earlier. Just a huge difference in efficiency. It's amazing. And I've experienced that firsthand when I've pedaled it under my own power. On flat ground, I can really easily get that thing up to like 30 miles an hour at and no sweat, it just cruises right along because it's just cutting right through the wind. Whereas on a standard bicycle, that's a lot harder to do. Now, if we're only needing 125, maybe 150 watts of power, well, we just reduce the size of the solar panel we need to stick on one of these things drastically. But we still have one thing that we need to think about. Where are we going to put them? Now, on a bicycle, you might have a rear rack, which is only so big. Maybe you use the the sides of a rear rack, kind of where your saddlebags would go. Uh, maybe you stick one on the triangle on each side. You kind of have limited space where you could put a panel. But when you take a bicycle and put a aerodynamic body around it, all of a sudden you have a ton of surface area where you can put those panels on. So I found a company called SunPower and they have these Maxion solar panels and they're about five inches square. They're extremely thin 
And to put about 300 watts of solar panels on my Velo Mobile, which I think should fit, we haven't done this yet, but I'm going to, to put all of those panels on that, just the weight of the solar panels, take a guess in your head right now. How much do you think that's going to weigh? No, it's probably less than that. Take a lower guess. And it's probably still less than that. You might think that's going to be really heavy, but the panels alone, that should only be like one and a half pounds. They're really light. They're super thin. They're flexible so they can curve around to conform to the body of the Velo Mobile so we can maintain the aerodynamics. Uh, it's amazing. So I'm thinking we can put 300 watts. And what did I say it was going to take to move this thing? And this is throttle only. Keep in mind, this is not me pedaling at all. I'm thinking somewhere between 125, 150 watts. So if we can get half or maybe two thirds of the panels facing the sun at any given time, if I'm using throttle only, let's say we're using 150 watts, but we're only getting 250 watts. Uh, let me backtrack on that math a little bit. <laughs> okay, so let's say we're using, we'll split this in half. Let's say we're using 150 watts to keep the bike moving forward and we've got 200, so two thirds of our power from our solar panels is actually getting to the battery, that means we have a net positive 50 watts. Now your average e-bike charger is about a 100 watt charger. So let's say I pedal a tiny bit, just a little bit, and I put in 50 watts of power. Well, I just reduced my load to maintain that 20 miles an hour. Now that means I've got a 100 watts of solar being a positive net increase to my battery. That's like having a battery charger plugged into the wall while I'm out and about riding around. So it's charging all the time. If I'm stopped, it's charging. If I'm coasting, it's charging. If I'm using the throttle, it's charging. About the only time the battery would be discharging is at night or when it's dark in the shade, or possibly if I'm using more power than that to go up a hill. So you can see how all of a sudden this math starts working. Now, this may not be the cheapest project, so affordability-wise, maybe this doesn't make sense. These panels aren't terribly cheap, and they're not the easiest things to put together either. But I think this vehicle would just be an amazing showcase and demonstrator of where the technology is at today. In other words, you want an e-bike that can go forever on solar power? Yes, it's possible. Here's how you do it. And then we can start changing things. And maybe one day, maybe in 10 years or 20 years, you can ride a fat bike around with a solar panel on it and it'll be so efficient and the bike will be so much more efficient and the battery so much lighter that it will make sense. Uh, we're not there yet, but one day I certainly hope that we get there. It would be amazing to me if you had e-bikes you could ride around all day and you never had to plug it in. Now, I have some other thoughts on some long-range e-bikes that we're not going to get into today. We'll save those for later. But on this particular experiment, I'm thinking if we cover this Velo Mobile with solar panels, not only would we have enough power to run through the day while maintaining a positive charge towards our battery, we could do the math and calculate out, okay, how much power do we need? How much battery do we need to even run through the entire night? And I think all of that is absolutely possible. And because I think it is, I'm going to build it. And when I've actually done that, then of course I'll release uh, videos and maybe another podcast episode on how that experiment went. Can you build a legal electric bike that's completely self-sustainable, solar-powered, and can run under its own power forever? 
And if we get anywhere close to this, I'm going to be super happy about it. And uh, I'm going to ride this thing around. <laughs> and it's going to be a ton of fun. I'll get more people staring, but uh, that's okay. I like uh, weird, quirky things sometimes. So there's my current idea on how you could actually make an infinite range electric bike possible. And uh, to prove that this can be done, we're going to go ahead and build it. And I don't have a firm time frame because you as my customers are my number one priority. And as of late, we have been selling bikes like crazy. So thank you so much to you guys out there and gals out there and whoever is out there for buying from Bolton e-bikes. It has been so nuts that we are completely sold out. As of the time that I'm recording this podcast, I have no bikes in my shop to sell. We are completely on back order, pre-order mode for everything. It's totally nuts. And those back order, pre-order sales are going crazy. Business is, is doing quite well. And I'm just so thankful for everyone who's listening and for those that are buying bikes. And I just want to let you know that I'm going to make the wait worth it for any of these new bikes that are coming in. Uh, in particular, keep your eyes and ears open for the launch of the next version of the 2020 Bolton e-bike. We're going to have some new features, some new names possibly. And I think the specifications on that are just going to completely blow people's minds. What we're going to do with that bike. I'm really excited about it. And I want you guys to be excited about it. So stay tuned for that. Once again, I hope this uh, episode was, if anything, a little bit enlightening, a little bit entertaining. And I will be back again next Tuesday for another episode. Now, I want to put a special thought out there to anyone who's listening to this podcast. If there's anyone you know or you think would be a good fit for the Bolton eBikes podcast as an interviewee at this point in time, please uh, send us an email. Let us know. Send an email to info at boltonebikes.com. If you think you have an interesting story or something to share that would be beneficial to the other listeners, let us know. We're actively searching for uh, more people to interview. We want to mix things up as much as we can. Uh, We're really focused on e-bikes, of course, uh, but I want people who have important things to say And I want him to be on this show because this is going to be the best e-bike podcast out there. And I want uh, all of you listeners to enjoy it. Thanks again for listening to the Bolton e-bikes podcast. If you want to learn more about e-bikes, make sure to go check out boltonebikes.com. That's where you can find any of our products and things that we sell. If you want to watch some of our videos, of course, you can also check out Bolton e-bikes on YouTube. Now, if you want to sign up for our email list specific to the podcast so you can get a notification when new episodes come out, of course, you can always go to ebikepodcast.com. And as a result, you'll also get a chance to enter into our next ebike giveaway. Don't worry, we do have more giveaways coming in the near future. And I always look forward to those. So once again, thanks for listening. Make sure to leave us a review. I do love all of those five-star reviews coming in. I read every single one. 